You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by CasaTheRock.com. If you want to support the show, go there and cop some merch. We have a lot of stuff. We have some custom hand-painted boxes with some limited edition baseball caps on there. So go get them while you can. You can also follow me at HoyerRock357 on Instagram for anything and everything smoking word. And finally, you can catch us on Spotify and iTunes. You guys been asking, now you got it. And if you want to hit up the show, if you have any questions or just want to show love, you can email us now at the Smoking Word Podcast at yahoo.com. All right, let's set it off. Welcome, Welcome. to the Smoking Word. Oh, hell yeah. What up, bro? Welcome to the Smoking Word, bro. Yeah, good to be here. How you doing, bro? Good, good. Holding it down over here. I, I like where you at. That shit looks very um sunny and uh, kind of tropical without the <laughs> palm trees. Yeah, there's a couple palm trees. It's, it's like South Florida, but, uh, you know, I keep it in the Not York. as humid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what's going on? What's up with, with Cali right now with this? Um, how's Cali holding up during this whole um, pan fuckery? It's, uh, the numbers are on the rise. I think, this, I think they're going to um, be another fucking bump this weekend but you know the whole labor day shit yeah i think it's the same shit everywhere yeah How yeah that's Florida? what they were saying kind of the same thing it's kind of yeah. weird because um nothing really stopped like i mean it stopped but it's like kind of the basic um you know you could go out do your shopping you know um uh, places some places had you could eat outside or take out but it's been like that for months so it seems like you yeah, it's know. a new normal man it's yeah, fucking it's, it's fucking crazy, this whole shit. And I know Cali was like, in some ways, like Florida, as opposite as they are, they were kind of, there was, I know there was places in, in California that kind of wanted to do their own thing and kind of like, you know, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, open up things before other cities and areas and all that type of shit. But I think everybody's back on the same page right now. Yeah. California is split, man. They- the state, they've been wanting to split up into, like, three different, like, uh, states for years. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty, I wouldn't say it's segregated, but politically, it, it's pretty, di- you know, pretty extreme. Yeah, I never knew that because, you know, when you hear Cali, especially, you know, we East Coast guys, when you hear Cali, you figure, oh, yeah. those guys are just, they're the most, like, you know, of anything, um, PC or whatever you want to call it, left, or I don't even know what the word is, but the more free-spirited people and then they're in this whole shit i started hearing about the little beefs within the state themselves like some places yeah, it's, it's pretty extreme even like the huge difference between like la county and orange county exactly and, you know and it but you go up to san bernardino it's a different vibe it it, it kind of follows yeah it's pretty crazy <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, i learned shit you know something new every day and um what i was gonna say and what's up with the studio what was that what's up with that how's this whole shit you know, fuck with your work and all that stuff. Cause you know, for everybody out there who don't know, Billy runs a studio. Well, what yeah. fire? What's the name again? I got a studio on a studio called Firewater Studio. Firewater, yeah, I remember it was for yeah. something like that. Yeah, yep. dope spot. And, uh, and did this yeah, shit? Cool, how did this shit fuck with that? I I, I kind of lucked out, man. I, I mean, we're all in the same boat as far as touring. So, like everybody else, we had our touring plans for the summer pushed back to next year, but. 
I had originally, we came back from tour. We did the Persistence Tour with H2O, Wisdom and Chains, AF, fucking Gorilla Biscuits, awesome tour. Um, yeah, it looked amazing. And then, and then the shit hit the fan. But I was supposed to be home from, um, all, you know, February, you know, through the summer doing records. So it kind of, you know, worked, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it worked out good, but it, it, it could have been way worse if we would have had tour plans. Like, you know, you guys had a lot of shit going, you know, going on. But um, so I did, I'm working on the new Count Time records. We just finished it. We got one song to do with, uh, with a uh, special guest we're doing with Vampiro. You know, remember that oh, dude wrestling? Yeah, yeah. No, I've been seeing him, and I've seen him do the – they did the, the, his show and everything. Junior yeah, he, him on the show. That's dope, man. Shout out to him for also, Vampiro, for, look, you know, for pushing yeah. the culture, you know? Good tune. Good dude, bro. He also um, – and it's a good tune we're working on, too. But he's down with uh, – remember uh, – what's his name? From Guardian Angels when we were kids? Uh, Sliwa? You no, know, I, don't, I don't know him. The the the, the – the fucking leader. He was a fucking yeah, small dude. Curtis. Curtis. Lugo, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Curtis. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, he's down with him. I never knew that. Yeah. Um. So we're working with him on. A, on. We're doing a. I have a sock company called Crew Socks. It's like a charity based, awesome thing I do. But we're working on a a, a guardian angel sock, which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. And I yeah. know. So, I mean, having the studio in some ways, I know what you mean. It's you know. You could do a lot of work on your own if it's editing, if you had any stuff, and you could kind of keep busy. But um, and, and you did you have much of the Billy Bio sh shit book? Did you have you know what was the yeah, stuff it, that you had a can? Yeah, sorry, I'm going off on tangents here, but no, yeah. So I, I I got the Count Time record. I'm doing um the aggressive dogs record. Oh, Uzi. Um, sh shout out to Uzi. I got the um the new uh, uh Cutthroat record. A new uh, new Billy Bio is almost done, and new Power Flow is almost done. So, those five records, a few other bands I, I've done um, also since then have been pretty fucking dope. Yeah, that's so it's been dope. pretty busy. And the, and and the, all that stuff you're doing in your studio. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's dope, man. So you got a good variety. So you're doing the Power Flow shit also at your studio. Yeah, doing doing all oh, that. Hell shit. yeah, that's a good look. You know what I mean? It fucking, you know, you got a dope studio. If it's the same one that I went to. A while same ago. one, yeah, 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 same one, yeah. I, I got a, I got a funny story, bro. I don't know if I told you this, but when I we came, we left New York, we came out here, and I had a place that, where I live, closer on the west side. But um, and then I eventually found this place in Gardena, which is like right Compton and Gardena on on, on 105 and the 110. And fucking, uh, I was there for like maybe two months, and I had a flood. The city pipe broke, flooded the whole fucking joint. City cut me a check. I used that money to expand onto the other side of the building. And then, then I had a fire in the middle of the two buildings when I was, you know, finished building. And then about two months later, I had another flood, the same fucking like water main up the street, up the hill. And so that's why I call the studio Firewater Studios. Two floods ah. and a fire all, all within th a fucking year, bro. Fucking. Oh, I, that's crazy. That's fucking, I mean, well, at least something good came out of the one thing that you were able to, regroup and fucking do the studio again and fucking yeah yeah. yeah i'm you know that's my shit dude I, i'm i'm you know i we live in a fucking crazy world but i'm always finding an angle to pull some positive out of it and turn it into something good and and uh yeah you know. definitely man um, um the whole thing with the studio also um what i was gonna say um um is that have any connection with the 
rap pit studios in fucking Brooklyn? Was it any similar yeah. equipment or just you, you taking what you learned over there and then you revamped it in Cali? So a little bit of everything. Um, back then we were underneath the Brooklyn bitch for years um, with Deluxe, with Biohazard Drummer. And uh, we moved to Jersey and got a, we moved to Jersey and got a bigger place and then changed the name there to Underground Sound Studios. And then my old lady, God love her, she's a Brazilian. She got sick of the cold weather in the East Coast. And she was like, we go back to Brazil or we go to LA. I said, all right. So we went to LA. And uh, so I up and grabbed all my shit. Deluxe was, was over doing the studio stuff. So I just kept doing it. It took, a, you know, all the, you know, I got like, now it's a big, I have a big, um, a big analog board, a Trident um, board, which is fucking dope. And a lot of old, I use a lot of like, I wouldn't say old, but vintage class A preamps and compressors, and then bring that into the modern world of Pro Tools. So you get the best of both worlds. You get all the warmth and the, and the, the sound and the power of the old school with all the, like the, the benefits of the new school with the Pro Tools and shit like that. Yeah, that's dope. And the location of your old spot was dope, right under the bridge. Imagine yeah, that shit dude. right now, right? Oh, dude, we were, we were, when we moved in there, we were playing 500 bucks a month. And <sighs> who else, who was in there uh, in the same building? Dijon? I, yeah, no. yeah, eventually, I think he was. But I just remember one time we yeah. went there. I, I don't know for what to hook up with you guys for some shit. I don't know what it was. And I remember, like, going, you know, I was like, Man, this is right under the fucking bridge. Like, this is like the best fucking scenery. And imagine how much yeah. that property goes for now, man. Forget it. I don't know. It's probably a bunch of fucking, you know. Oh yeah, that shit's like uh, <laughs> fucking a bunch, a bunch of, of people a with bunch mustaches, of, fucking exactly, and barbers and butchers breaking bread. <laughs> yeah. Right. And how crazy yeah. is that? I, where are you from, New York? You don't sound like you're from New York. Well, I grew up in a, in Nebraska and. <laughs> Was raised there. I moved here when I was 27. But this is where I'm from. No, you're not from New York. Yeah, exactly. Um, Isaac yeah. e said something recently. I heard him say, he was like, nobody from New York even has an accent anymore. Because there is I no know. accent no more. Which is pretty crazy fucking, you know, to yeah. think of that shit. And fucking, um, but yeah, that's the one thing that I always, um, I always liked about what you did. You always kept shit moving. And the shit without like, um, how was it? All right, you know, I know you came up in a, in, a, in, a, in a music family. First, let's start with why guitar? I know you played other instruments. You played the piano. I know you did that. And, and I think some of your family members played instruments. But what yeah. made you go to the guitar? So there was a, a local punk rock band I liked. And uh, I remember they, the, the guitar player quit or they kicked him out or something. And I told the kids, I'm like, yo, I'll, I'll learn how to play guitar if I can join your band. And they're like, <laughs> all right. So I taught myself the fucking two chords that you need to know for fucking hardcore. Yeah. And that was it. That was the beginning. Here's another fucking thing, though. This is, I don't know if I ever told you this story. So spin the clock ahead a bunch of times. And before there was a biohazard, I tried out for Breakdown. I didn't okay, know so that. Nah, yeah. that's crazy. I want to know that. Bro, I was like in. Uh, me and... Uh, What's the singer? Rich? Who's the yep. singer? Oh, the Rich. singer. And, uh, well, um, I'm a, um, Jeff. 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 Yeah, yeah. And Rich Jeff was Breakdown. one of the players, I think, at the time also. Yeah, Rich was a guitar player, I think. So one of them, one of the guitar players was out. And Jeff and I would, you know, we would hang out. We did 
yeah. party down on Lower East Side a lot. Right. So we hit it off. <laughs> Tried out for the band, learned all the songs. Lion, you see, uh, what's that song? That fucking only oh, thing that's, da, 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 da. that's uh. Anyways, it'll come to me. Um, liars. <laughs> so, anyways, I I remember trying out and I, I called Jeff. Like we're supposed to get together on a Saturday. They were, I think they're up from like the Bronx or somewhere up there, um, or Westchester maybe. I don't remember. Yep. So yep, I was, yeah. So I was gonna jump on a fucking train and go up there, and he he's like, yeah, man, you know, um, our guitar player came back, and you know, we're good. I'm like, what do you mean you're good? I'm like, dude, I got all the songs down. You know, hear me out. And he's like, now nah, we're good, man. We don't need. It. He's back, and the, and the guy's fucking dope. I'm, I remember I said to the kid, I'm a fucking hardcore skinhead, like to, totally like young new jack kid. But I'm like, you, yo. You don't know, man. I, I could be the next Jimi Hendrix, and you fucking gonna not even give me a tryout. <laughs> well, right, it was right, a, yeah. yeah, it was a blessing because he, uh, you know, because then eventually it turned into Biohazard and went on to that. Yeah, no, you you definitely, you know, I saw I saw that um, the, there's a certain drive people have. Anybody who's in a band that ends up doing something, usually you could say a couple people in the band have a certain type of drive. But I saw you have a drive because right away you would jump into, you know, when Biohazard moved on, I saw you right away jump in and try to start something new and, and, and take the next step and not just kind of living in the past. So, but before that, what, what was the first music you got into? Because Brooklyn, you see in Queens was like this, you know, I came up and, and my part of Queens was more a Latin area, Italian, but it was more, you were either listening to freestyle music or hip hop. Then you had Astoria, which a lot of the hard, New York hardcore bands came out of, and they had the whole, you know, um, Led Zeppelin type of, those type of rock bands, and, and then that was their mix. And I know Brooklyn had a similar feel where a lot of classic rock or the metal part of, you know, um, uh, the, the, the underground got mixed in with their hardcore. Because you and Bobby were different than, let's say, the Evans. And, you know, as far as the musical taste and how they got into the fucking, the whole underground punk rock shit. What was your area more like? Was it the same, you know, the, the it, it, thrash or it, the classic rock? It's just, it, I think it was more similar to Astoria. There wasn't, um, we, we all, Marine Park, Canarsie, Flappers Avenue is what the neighborhood we came from. And it was kind of like, um, you know, the, the, the every, you know, back then it was, everybody hung out together. Even though you're into different things, you all hung out. So, and we always tell the same, same story. I was like, and it's, it's, you know, it's like one corner was like more into hip hop, BC boys and, and run DMC. Another corner was more into like, you know, metal. And, and the other corner was more punk rock and hardcore. And another corner was like all the cuisines with the fucking disco shit. That, that was our neighborhood like dichotomy, like the way it was mixed up. Nobody really fucked with the Guidos, right? We kind of just, that was their thing. Um, but the hip hop and the metal and the hardcore were kind of like the, the the circles we would like, kind of like hang out with BC boys, run DMC, Sugar Hill gang. Um, and then as we later on, I remember, well, let, let's stay back at, at that time. But when the band started, I remember, um, I fucking hated metal, dude. I was fucking so, if it was fucking, if it, it wasn't hardcore, I, I was like, that's it. That's all I want. Everything else sucked. Metal was all, it, I had this, this kind of wrong vision of what metal was at the time. And even though like, I remember my bass player in one of my bands, 
turned me on to Black Sabbath. He showed he wanted to do a medley, and he showed me all these riffs. He showed me the riffs first, and I was like, "Well, these riffs are fucking killer." And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Who? Who is? Like, it's it's a medley for what band?" He goes, "Black Sabbath." I'm like, "That's Black Sabbath." He goes, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Holy shit!" But and then a couple years later, and Biohazard kicked off, and we were you know turning each other on different types of music. Evan and and Danny turned me more on to metal. Bobby turned me more on to thrash stuff. And then I turned, they were, Danny was more into punk. He had, he had like a lot of uh, love for punk rock. So I kind of brought more in them into hardcore and that world. And it was kind of like a natural mixture for us to just, our influences were there because we were all writing. Evan didn't really write that much. He was contributing more to lyrics, but musically he fucking, he was more into like um, fucking Motorhead and like all the early metal stuff, even like some of the early glam stuff he liked. But yeah. he was more metal dude. Danny was more well-rounded Zeppelin, but also loved Living Color. The bad I mean, always with, yeah, no. yeah, bad brains, yeah. Um, and then Bobby and I were more the more more the hardcore enthusiasts and loved that stuff. Bobby would go to CBGBs every once in a while. Um, you know, I don't, I don't Evan and, and Danny. I don't think they ever you know checked out a hardcore show at, at CBGBs on Sundays. But um, later on, they did. And, and but Danny was always. Super, way more round, well-rounded music with musical taste, you know. Yeah, being, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, and and, and that and that explains a lot on what ended up being Biohazard, you know, because um, you guys basically the, did the full circle, like from you the hardcore guy, Bobby the hardcore thrash guy, you know, Danny the the punk rock, you know, rock metal guy, and then Evan, you know, we're rounding off, you know, whatever, you know, the more, you know, Tesla or whatever he was in. <laughs> You know, the more that yeah. also with the metal and the clack, because, you know, yeah. that's what I always said about Biohazard. You know, I was like, I'm like, no, they're not a hardcore band, but they are hardcore dudes in it. But, yeah, they have the hard, they are hardcore attitude. They, they for sure run it like a hardcore band, but they're Biohazard. That was the only way we could describe it, because it was like you guys were your own animal and you had all those, you know, all those pieces in the in the band. So, but before, right before Biohazard, what was the band you were in? You were in a, in a straight hardcore band before that, or you were still jumping in a couple different bands before Biohazard became a thing? So the, the first band was called Museum of Corruption. And then I remember I, I was, I, I remember reminiscing with fucking uh, Lukey from uh, um, Gorilla Biscuits, because we had something we were trying to put together, but we were like little kids and fucking little, you know, hardcore skinheads in fucking Lower East Side. Um, and then breakdown. I tried out for breakdown, but nothing in New York that was like ever anybody ever knew, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, you were the fucking. Cause I always took it also the same thing. Like you know, before I knew you guys good and really deep on where you came up. To me, I was like, oh, the hardcore dude was was you and Bobby. And I knew about Bobby already, cause and you also because of Scotty Banks. And I know about. Bobby was one of those wild motherfuckers. They'll throw Bobby through a window, and the next thing you know, he'd get back up and, you know, yeah. keep coming at Terminator. you. And he Terminator. was like, you know, we was, he was skins, but it was like the Brooklyn skin, again, that you had. It was common to catch you guys at a Lemoore's. You know, it was like, you know, the worlds yeah. were different. And then some of the Lemoore's people went to the CB. Some, a lot didn't, and vice versa. You know, yeah, so yeah. it made sense in that. And, um... When you first got together, all right, I don't know if you remember this, but me and all my boys saw you guys. I don't know. If, I, I want to say it was one of your first Biohazard shows. It was in Queens. You guys played with Toxemia. Yeah. And you had your old drummer. 
with the with the Mohawk, and Evans still had tassels on his leather jacket. I'll never <laughs> forget that. And you guys played our old neighborhood where we used to hang out. And we were like, "Yo, what the fuck?" We're like, "Yo, there's a show. These guys are playing." And I know you guys were coming up. The the, the first time I heard of Biohazard was, I remember showing up to CBs. I didn't see you guys, but my boy at the time, Sid, he had a shirt with a biohazard symbol. And I go, what's that? He goes, oh, some band. They were giving out shirts. They were throwing shirts out. And I remember saying, yo, that logo's dope. And I go, yo, that's slick. You know, you throw the shirts out, you know, and you get promotion. And then, <laughs> and then fast forward, I would hear about it. I remember started hearing the buzz. I think the Maze record came out of some, but then you guys played Queens. And I remember talking with you guys. You guys were mad cool. I was, I was young. I was like, you know, whatever, 17, 18 years old. And we're like, yo, these guys are playing Queens. And I would talk to your old drummer. What was yeah. his name with the Mohawk? Me, Anthony Mio, good, good kid. Mio, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the next thing I know, fast forward, but um, when you got so when you guys first lit, went hooked up together, how long was that 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 version of, of Biohazard around with the old drummer with Mio? So Mio, um, that was all through the beginning until the first record. Mio, we had a fallout with him. I'll I'll spare you the details of that story. It's pretty funny, but yeah. uh, um. And then uh, Danny came in, he learned the songs, and then we went to the studio and recorded uh, the first record for Maze Records, the first self-titled oh, so record. Danny came in right before that first album. Yep, yep. So Mio... And how did you... He, no, how did you think, know? You knew Danny already, or how did he end up coming into the fold? When we had... I remember we, entered, we uh, auditioned all these other dudes at the studio at this place called... Uh, Fast Lane Studios. Back then, it was called something different, but it was on Flatbush Avenue in our neighborhood. And uh, we ha we fell out with our drummer, needed somebody, so we, we put out the word. I don't remember how we did it, but we had a whole bunch of tryouts on a weekend. And then we tried out Danny. And uh, I remember I said to Danny, I remember he always brings this up. He's like, yo, you, the first thing you said to me was like, you want to test me out and see how dedicated I was. And I was like, "Are you? let me ask you a question. Like, you walk around with drumsticks in your back pocket because that's the kind of dude I want. I want somebody that, that, that's going to be like living, eating, dreaming, fucking sleeping, fucking music. And he's like, I don't carry drums in my back, my drumsticks in my back pocket, but I live for music and I love this. I was like, all right. <laughs> I, and I think you guys made the right choice because he's a fucking in the beast. Shout he's out to beast. Danny. Whale loves, toe Danny. Ask him yep. about his whale toe, which I know you fucking know. must have seen. I have nightmares <laughs> about that thing. He, he, he had, a, he had a, like a flailing Instagram account for a while, and the only picture was on that was his foot next to a dead fish. And it, you look at both, you can't tell which is which. I know. I, I would randomly text him, like, whale teeth and shit like that. I would say, like, look at your toe. And he, I, I think I got one of his pictures saved still there. <laughs> and fucking, um, yeah, and, all right, so let me ask you this. All right, so you guys obviously, I know you guys had songs because you were ready. You had the demo out and all that shit. When you guys, at that point, when you started, you guys like, okay, where this band? What was the plan? I mean, obviously, you know, like I know being in a band, you don't grow into really what you are after, you know, even a record or two. You kind of finally, you know, even if you, you, you know, the, the DNA is there, but then you kind of, you grow. What yeah. was the plan at first? Were you like... Yo, we're gonna we're gonna make a, a crossover band. We're gonna make some new shit, or we're just gonna mix up what we like. What was that first plan like when you guys got together and you would talk about, yo, how do we describe ourselves? 
we didn't, bro. Like Biohazard was never a big planning band. The only thing that that was like smart business sense was my drive. Like the dudes would call me. I had a nickname. They called me Sergeant because I was the guy who fucking cracked the whip. I was the guy who made the rehearsals. I was the guy who made sure we. No, no, let's fucking rehearse the songs more. Let's rehearse again. There's a show coming up. We got to no. Just to, just because we jam on Tuesday and Thursday, the show's on Saturday. Let's jam on Friday. So that was the only thing. Everything else, we do, we just, it was like throwing fucking shit in the wind and seeing what stuck against the wall. But we 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 never um we never sat down and said let's try to make it sound like this. It was fucking 100% organic. Like if somebody had a riff and everybody was like, yeah, you kind of lo- everybody looks up in the room like, what's that? Then you knew that was a fuck. You were right. That 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 you hit the fucking nail on the head with that riff. Um, and then we started to, I started to write more songs where I would bring in full songs, and then Danny would start doing that. Um, Bobby was always more of a jam kind of guy. Like he had to be in the room and jamming to get the feel. And that that's pretty much how we wrote all the classic Firehive songs. Yeah, I remember. That's probably remember. the best thing that you guys did was like not like give yourself a you know, a, a marker on, okay, this is what we're going to say we want to kind of sound like and just leave it open because uh, we, you know, I mean, Mabel never did that, but, you know, you kind of say, yo, I wanted to be a mix of AF, the Chromags, and then our own shit, but, you know, not giving and not putting a, a cap on what you're trying to do is probably a good message for all the new bands, just kind of go for it and shit because um, what you yeah, guys you did got- ended up being very organic. You got to be you, you know? And that's it. And, and people could tell the real shit from the bullshit. And in the early days, that, that was us. We were just being us. The, the influences were real. And it was, it was fucking awesome, dude. The, you know, you remember how it is when you're kind of like, yeah. you know, you kind of got something. I remember we did a show, I think with you guys played. It was at, um, it, and it was our record release show for Urban Discipline. And it was Roseland. like, fuck it. No, not Roseland. Fucking... Fucking some small big riots. We're minus. We have minus had beef outside. Oh, the, every show. Yeah, no. He he. When they fucking they fucking cut him open. Remember oh that? yeah. Oh, that was on the west side. Yeah. West. What the metro? The metro. Yeah, I, I forgot what it was, but I remember on the west side because I went with, with Martin for fucking Belgium. I remember we yeah. rolled up and some yeah or yeah. something like right. But uh, I remember. So we played the show, and the show was fucking madhouse, and. And Rabies, who I was, a, you know, he's a buddy of mine. I love fucking, they were first fucking one of the first bands that really, hardcore bands that I fucking fell in love with. But he comes backstage and he's like, yo, motherfucker, that was awesome. I never seen you guys. I love what you do. Introduce me to your boys. So I introduce everybody. And, and Ray, he takes, he takes Evan and I, it's like, come on, let me talk to you guys. So he pulls us outside the room. We're talking. He goes, listen, I got to tell you something. You guys got something great here. And we're like, thank you. He goes, but you know what you, there's one thing that's missing. I said, what? He goes, you guys move around so much. You got so much energy on stage, but it's hard for you when you got to stop and sing on a microphone, which is why I fucking sing on a fucking headset now. We'll, we'll talk, we'll, we can laugh about that. Exactly. So, um, so Ray says, he's like, what you need is a fucking motherfucking singer who's just singing. You need me on a microphone ah. that frees you guys up to fucking run around. It'll be a fucking madhouse. And I'm sitting there like, wow, this is fucking rabies. One of my fucking idols. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm toying with, I'm like, yeah, we kind of got our thing, man. It, you know, but it, it, 
for a hot second, bro. Yeah, I was that's just like, crazy. I never knew that. Yeah. That's funny. That he, he, yeah. he saw some mixes. I want in. I want yeah. in on that. And <laughs> and that and when so because I remember hearing the first when the first record came out. When was it after the first? When do you think you started really feeling momentum? Was it after the first record? Right before the first? You know, before the first record? Because I kind of, I already knew about you guys, but then not till after that, I felt like everything you guys were doing, you started killing. Was like, you know, I remember catching you guys on tour, sick of it all, shit, terror, and yeah, that was, was. I mean, I'd seen you guys before that a, a bunch, but that tour, I remember saying, these motherfuckers kill everybody. Cause I, we were at the fast lanes, and I went to see yeah. you guys. Yeah, and I, I remember that. standing and kind of in the back, and when you guys played, everybody was bobbing their head, the whole fucking place, and that was kind of a real mixed crowd. Cause you had sheer terror, sick of it all. Yeah. You guys had kind of everybody different, and everybody had their own fans that would go and rep, and you were the guys that everybody was going off to. Which later on was same thing I saw with Hatebreed. Like you saw, like everybody in the room feeling. Yeah. So I don't remember where that tour fell in during which record cycle, but when was it that you started saying, "Yo, I think we got something with this." I it, I think I never really said I never stepped back and was like, you know, we got something. I I, I never looked at it like as like a gold or like an investor. I we just I always just head down. Grind away, grind away, do what I love to do. It was all about fucking the music, playing the shows, hanging out with your, with your friends. Like, it was just living it. But looking back, there was a, a moment where um, we did – the Sick of It All Share Territory was – I think that was after – right before – it was after the – I got to look it up. I think it was after the Exploited Tour. We did a tour with Exploited and Typo Negative. And it, right after that tour, we, we were working on Urban Discipline and we had like five songs. And the, those five songs were like Punishment, Shades of Grey, um, Urban Discipline, Black and White and Red All Over. I can't remember the other one. Hold My Own, maybe. And those songs um, ended up becoming like, we played them every night on tour and we would change them around. We're like, yeah, this fucking part is fucking booming. Let's fucking, let's bring that back at the end. Shit like you know how it is, and then yeah. um, nowadays though, when you do that, like writing on tour, you play a song, it's on fucking YouTube the next day, and then if you if you change it up, everybody knows the, not everybody, but there's yeah. a record of your writing progress. So I, I don't I don't play like that anymore. But um, now it's like uh, back then, it was during that tour with Exploited and Typo Negative, and we came home jump right in the studio, finish up these other ideas that we had, and then went in, recorded Urban Discipline. And then we, I think right then, we went on tour with Sick With All and Share Terror. The record wasn't out yet, but it was before, right before, yeah, on the way. And then um, it was at that moment, it, it, that's it. It never stopped. We were just like fucking tour, 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 tour. Always on the road, always recording. That's it. It was like for four records straight, nonstop. And so some of those songs you actually kind of worked on while you, you would be playing live, then you're saying, right? Like you're in, the early days, we, yeah. in the early days, we always did that. We always tried new stuff out until, I think, the third record, State of the World Address. And then because... No, it made sense because you guys were the live band. You know what I mean? I always yeah. loved you guys more live than on record to the records because the first record, I wasn't crazy about the production. 
But every fun. time I would see you guys, you guys were killing every other time. And I was always somebody, I, you know, I, I came up with hardcore and, th- and my brother was into thrash. So I liked some thrash, but it had to be, you know, it had to be Slayer, some hard shit or Celtic Frost and, yeah. and, 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 and a lot of hip hop. So to me, if it had a bounce, it didn't always have to be a hip hop bounce, but I liked the head bob. And I was yeah. like, man, you guys had it with like every song. And I was like, that sounds like something. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, you would kind of vibe off shit live and say, yo, let's, let's do something like that. Let's bring that back because, you know, a lot of bands ended up getting influenced. Like, you know, Sepultura, I mean, a lot of bands. Yeah. But, you know, um, but that that's crazy. That's good. Yeah, you can't do that shit no more. Like kind of, you know, um, build a song as you go because then, yeah, everybody has every version of the song you put out nowadays with fucking internet and yeah. file sharing. I think people do that, file sharing. That don't even exist no more, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't even think MP3s are an issue. Now it's like you just make a record and you, it get, it's out there for free. Everybody gets it. You you know, from Spotify to fucking uh, um, Apple Music and all that shit. It's, and then I'm um, for, yeah. And then once, so after then, so it was the first record, then Urban Discipline, right? Yep. And then what was the first vi- Yeah. What was the first video for that record? With you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Punishment. Punishment. Yep. Of course, everybody, those old, see, for everybody out there in the smoking word land, when Biohazard would, you know, that was the thing. Whenever they um did something, they always reached out to their people. You know, and um, th- we were always getting the calls. You know, there's a video going on. So we knew, we, you know, we're going to go have fun. We're going to get our faces on wax. And, you know, Drew and everybody. Yeah. And, you know, we were always glad to rep for you guys. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of faces in those old videos. And that was yeah. like our first time. You know, also seeing being a part of a bigger production thing. Because remember back then, there was no little videos. There was no wow. videos unless you were doing <laughs> no a real video. video. Yeah, yeah. It's a different world back then. Now you can make one on your iPhone. Yeah, yeah, right. And fucking, um, how special was that video with the Brit and the bridge and all that part? You know that whole shit. Like, I know that had a big part with blowing you guys up on like MTV and all that shit with the Beavis and Butthead and all that shit. But how sick yeah, was that dude. to be able to do that? That 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 was fucking a mind blowing thing for us. We were just, you know, we were the same as everybody else, just fucking, you know, four knuckleheads from Brooklyn that had no idea, you know outside of our little fucking world. And then suddenly Drew, Drew and Paris bring that world into us. And it was like, wow. And Drew hustled that shit. Drew made, I remember this, we were doing it about the bridge that the video was done. And, and I said to Drew, I said, why don't, let's go fucking do one scene. Just, let me just fucking, fucking spit my words into the fucking camera coming down the bridge. He's like, oh, we can't do it. And Paris goes, yeah, that's a great idea. But Drew was a fucking, the, you know, the fucking uh, producer. And he's the guy who crunches the numbers. And he's like, ah, oh, we got to pay everybody. I'm like, fuck that. Just all, we'll pay for it. Just fucking make it happen. It's a fucking great shot. The sun's going down. It's fucking going to be awesome behind us. And we did. We pulled it off. And it was fucking, that video too, like, you know, Boston Mike, fucking Saab, rest in peace, all those dudes. To have all, the, you know, all of us back, you know, it's got yeah. a lot of history, that video. Oh, hell yeah. And, you know, yep. you know, again, it was like, and I remember the flyers, like, you you seen the flyers said to tell people about the video, handwritten flyers. Like, those days don't exist no more. Ah, uh, shit's awesome. I was... You know, I remember all <laughs> yeah. that shit. I remember also, um, you know, when you guys did the, uh, the, the, 
was it the slam video, the one where you did in the one in the in, in, in the factory by Queensbridge? Yeah. We rolled up to that one. The other one in Long Island City. Yeah, there was like a yeah. couple, of, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And everybody <laughs> could catch my our brother Boston Mike, rest in peace. He was in the fucking on the stoop scene. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Crazy. Great. That's a fucking good shot. What, what, what was um back then? What was some of like the 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 cooler? you know, out-of-the-box toys Biohazard got to do with, like, other bands? Because that was the thing. Like, even early, that's, that's a good mix of bands that you got, you, got, you guys had, were able to do with the Exploited and Typo and you. And then those were always, like, you know, even then, those were, like, special tours that don't happen. You know, even nowadays don't happen as much. Where were other tours that you guys got to do? Because you guys, again, coming from the underground, you were coming down when – you were coming out when there weren't a lot of underground bands that were popping that more mainstream bands were willing to take. And you guys are one of the first, at least during my era in the music yeah. that were able to do that. What were some of the other tours you guys got to do? Like, you know, cool tours. The, I, it, some of the tours are pretty fucking wild. Um, and especially it was hard to understand why we were getting these tours. Cause I'm like, I never looked at biohazard as a metal band, even though we were, I, I, because my roots were in hardcore, I was like, we're kind of like, to me, we are a hardcore band with metal, metal edge, but to the world it was like, we're more of a, a, a metal band with hardcore edge. Um, so getting tour, you know, from torn with Slayer, Pantera, Ozzy, fucking Danzig, Metallica. Um, I remember the Anthrax guys. I fucking, I still love those dudes. But I remember hearing a story like they uh, we wanted to try to do something with them because we were both New York bands. They had a little bit of hip hop influence, not in their music, but they did the stuff with Run DMC and Aerosmith. So we kind of wanted to get down and do something with them. We thought it'd be cool. And it never worked. Those dudes never showed fucking love for us, which was no big deal. But then it got to us. Our manager, Big Rich, he said to us, yeah, I gave he was telling somebody else. And Bobby and I overheard him tell the story. We got Lamore, and he told the story that he gave one of the dudes, which was Charlie, who was a buddy of mine, but he gave Charlie a, bio, a T-shirt and said, hey, check out one of the bands I manage. You know, we'd love to do something with you guys. And, and Charlie said, oh, yeah, cool. Another T-shirt I can wax my fucking car with. And Bobby and I were like, Did he, what happened? Yo, Rich, tell me that story. No, I can't. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm like, no, tell us the story. So for a fucking, we were on the kill fucking, we saw Anthrax, that's it. And Richie was like, don't do it. It'll come back. They'll, t they'll show us some love one day. You'll see. Like, fuck those motherfuckers talking shit about us. Who the fuck, Anthrax, motherfucker. Yeah. So, you know how you are when you're fucking young, you're fucking big right. cocky. Like, yeah. So we, um, we fucking, I never saw him. Um, and, and it never, never crossed paths. But later on, their, their shit they were doing, they lost a singer and they got John Bush in the band and they they reached out later on and, and asked us to support them on tour. And at the time, they were, because they were no longer fucking top dogs anymore and we were on the up and they were on the down at that point of their career. Um, and so we were like, nah. <laughs> nah. You, know the, you know how it is. In our yeah. world, you know, you better watch who you who you talk to on the way up because you're gonna be on the way down sooner or later. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have Amen, to face man. the music, and that was yeah. the thing again. Um, with, with you guys, you know that um, us coming up, we saw. I knew 
I knew you guys were doing well because when we started coming up, people would talk to us and wanted us to start trying to diss you guys. And that's how I know, like, oh, these guys are crossing over. It's like that old thing, like, when you're an actor, if they say you're gay, you made it. You remember that whole thing? Oh, that guy's there. That means I made it. Like, kind of, you know, just people bringing up <laughs> stories about you. That, uh, and then I remember people would do um, interviews and were like, oh, how do you guys feel about Biohazard saying they're a hardcore band, this and that? And I was like, and I would tell people, I was like, man, they, they, you know, like stigma taught me, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Just spell the name right. But I remember, and I knew you guys were doing great because, you know, we'd be rolling up to the shows. I saw you guys play with Slay and fucking Market, and I was like, and then I would say, for, and, and I, say, I say the same thing that I say about um, guys nowadays that talked about Fred Durst and Limbiscuit because we know those were buzzwords in certain bands that in our scene, they weren't respected for whatever reason because we saw them like, oh, they're trying to be us, but not. You yeah. guys always looked out for the, uh, the, 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 the younger bands coming up and and I, when we started making giving momentum, people would try to get us to talk shit on Evan, you know, especially because you know he wasn't the most liked guy for whatever. But he always, you know, whatever that the the word was and whatever the reason was, I never cared because with me he was always cool, and with us he was always he was always love, blah blah blah. So I used to be like, yo, you want to know something? I go, those guys are the first dudes that let Mabel play in front of fucking two thousand people at the Roseland. And if you look at that record release party, they were all fucking hardcore bands from Bulldogs, yeah. Crown of Thorns, everywhere. I go, they didn't have to do that. We weren't bringing the tickets in. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, if they did it out of, they wanted, a, 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 people trying, oh, they do that to, you know, maybe trying to give a look or this and that. I was like, no, those guys got a lot of love for us. And not only that, a lot of those dudes have the same roots. And I used to be like, ah, you know, fuck you guys. And then people learned they couldn't really talk shit about you guys to us because they knew we were like, you know, friends and shit. But I knew you yeah. guys were blowing up when people started hating on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the shit. And then fucking, um, and again, it was good. Like, you know, um, later on, we got to like, you know, you know, we got to do some iconic shit, maybe not on the same days, but like from the Dynamos, you know, the, the Dynamo 95s. And, you know, also a band like you being able to do a Donington back then, you know, open the doors since you guys were always also rep hardcore it opened up newer metal kids at the time to check out the hardcore stuff. And then, you know, it opened a lot of eyes to the Mad Balls and all the newer bands that were coming out at the time. So that was a good shit, man. Those, those fest I mean, festivals are dope now, but it was special back then. You remember? Cause it wasn't a lot of bands yeah. like this on these bills, man. You know? No, I was just watching that. You guys at Dynamo, dude. I, I just watched that the other day. That, that show was fucking killer. But, um, you know, the saying is we stand on the shoulders of giants. And everybody that kind of comes before you, if there's love, they kind of, you know, they give it back and they help you kind of like to pave the way a little bit. And we all, all the Madball, Biohazard, we've all done that. And I see it even with what I do with Billy Bio and Powerflow. Send, you know, it, it's kind of like um, I had this band called Suicide City. And I, when I started that band, I told the guys, I listen, man, I, I want to do this. It's totally different. I had nothing to do with biohazard. It's more, it's got like punk and gothic. Like that's the, that's mm -hmm. the vibe. But I don't want to live off of fucking biohazard. I want to use the biohazard name to, to, to fucking, to get us, you know, get us ahead, which was fucking looking back now is stupid. But it, I, 
I, I had a reason for it. I kind of wanted to, you know, start over and w- without any kind of like head start. And I should have, it probably was, wasn't the best decision to do, but we kept it real and it was, it was good. But the reality is we work hard to do what we do. Coy, you know, if you start a fucking Hogan band tomorrow, you brought them eyes back, you'd be fu- right away. Bam. You got a record deal and you'd fucking be fucking well on your way to another successful band, yeah. you know? So you have to give the respect for the ones who come before you. And, and I remember, I always looked at this. I always, you, I, you guys were coming up. I, I watched you guys fucking grow as a band. And I watched, it was like, I, you know, my love for fucking AF is I, yeah. one of my fucking first all time loves, but I watched, I felt like they passed the fucking hardcore torch on you guys. And those, they're the godfathers of hardcore. And I'll, you can never take that away. But it was like, you guys are a new generation. And now, there's other generations and it's, we all put, you know, all kind of plow the road a little bit ahead. So all the bands behind us can come up and push it further, you know, and, and rest in peace. Riley from power trip just passed. Absolutely great great fucking dude. But th- that, those dudes made a lot of headway because of all the bands that came up before them, even though they were more thrash, they were good dudes. They were into fucking hardcore, loved, you know, hardcore. Um, but, or they do. Yeah. No, the thing you were saying though, before, about you know when when you started the the, the, the your, your first band after Biohazard the the suicide what they were called like a suicide um suicide city yeah suicide city because I remember when you guys did it. you see I think you know I disagree with you a little bit that it was the wrong thing to do but at the time it was the right because our era was like that you know we felt if we weren't doing the hard edge this thing you know we didn't want to misrepresent it and if we wanted to do something new that's us being musicians wanted to say hey i want you to like us for this new shit not just for my past shit because i would have done the yeah. same thing you guys did but you know we learn now from being around so long that there's nothing wrong with you know uh, um, i'm bouncing off old momentum to help something new pop yeah. off but i think it was the mentality yeah. back because I, I agreed i that was the thing that i was going to get into that I, that i again that i i saw with you that one with rehashing the new bands and how you went about it. You know, you, you started that, that band, and what was the band right after that? Was there, there was another band, right? After Suicide City, then I was with Blood for Blood for a bit. You and, then, then, and, then, um, then, and then, yeah, and then, what was the other? That's it. And then we did Bio as a reunion. Well, that, that, Power that, Flow. Yeah, that's the thing. So before even the, the Power Flow, like, I remember, this is the thing about you that really, show me that you didn't fuck around. I remember, so obviously, you know, the biohazard thing had stopped for a while. Everybody went on to do their own things. And then you guys were getting back together. And when you guys got back together, you had to come back more to square one. And I remember talking to you specifically. And I remember we, 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 we did a tour together. We did a run on the East Coast when you guys just got back together. And, and I remember you yeah. telling me, you're like, yo, hoy, um, um, Yo, who do you guys use for van rentals and who you guys use for this? You know, like, yeah, you know, I saw you starting from square one and no shame in your yeah. game. Not like you should have had, but, you know, some guys have too much of an ego that, you know, going from buses and going from being on MTV, you know, now you're starting over. You almost don't want to, you know, you almost feel like um, it's taking a step down starting over again. And I remember you right away, you were the one telling me, yeah, now, I like how you guys do it. You guys kept it moving. You guys, we keep it simple and then build off that. And I remember being like, yo, man, that he has the drive. You know, I was a little surprised 
because I was like, man, it must be hard to start over again with the same band from, from as far as you guys went. Now you're starting over, but you were still mad gung-ho about it. And that shit was dope. You know, I really found it like, yo, man, a lot of people should, you know, take a lesson from that shit. You know, a lot of older bands that are coming back that, yo, you know, there's nothing wrong with that new school grind again like that, being a new band with your old band. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, amen, amen to that, brother. Like, I, to me, I, you know, I, I'm a proud dude, but I'm not above nobody else, and I'm not ashamed. I'll sell paper clips on the corner to put food on my table, you know, for my kids. Um, so I, I, I watched all you guys, you know, from you, Roger and Vinny, the sick all guys. You guys all fucking have such a long-lasting career, and it never falters. You guys make fucking great records after great records. You have fans that still fucking follow you and love you. You guys all keep it real, and I love that Biohazard. I, I love everything that we've done, but over the years, it got there was a lot of shit that just fucking got you know like separated us. And once you're separated, it's over. So yeah. Evan kind of grew on his doing his own, own trip, and it and it reflected a lot in the music. When he quit, people asked me like, "I can't believe he quit." I'm like, "I, I think he quit years ago, man. He's yeah. been out of this band." mentally for fucking 10 years. But when we did get together with Scott, Scott Roberts, that shit, suddenly it was like having four guys that really love fucking music. It was like having a biohazard at the beginning all over again because Scott loved what we were doing, loved hardcore, loved biohazard. And even though Evan used to love it, he grew out of love, you know, and he fell out of love with the band and, and music. But um, when Scott came in, we started to, you know, we were on the grind like everybody else, just fucking living out of vans and fucking, you know, just doing what you do for the passion of it, not for the fucking bank. And it was fucking real. And it, it reflected the shows. And then, you know, we, we paid attention to all the shit that always mattered to me. But being, you know, being outvoted, like when, when you know, people were trying to, back when there was Deutsche March for shows, but you always paid attention. I, 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 it mattered to me how much our t-shirts were. It always matters to me how much the tickets are on the show because I'm still, re I still remember the kid that can't get into the fucking show because it was fucking $15 instead of 12. Yeah. And I never wanted to fucking do that to any, any kids. So it's always like, you gotta, and I know business wise, you gotta balance the cost versus the income and, and, and anything, if it's even, you don't make no money. And if you raise the ticket price, which every manager and booking agent wants to do, they're like, oh, you can make this much more. And they're making 10% on top of that fucking money. But that's what, that's the push. But what happens when you do that, you're like, oh, cool, let's, let's tap it out. Because who, no who knows how long we can be there? You know what happens? That difference, because you want to make an extra couple bucks off a ticket, fucking lessens your career. But when you keep it real, like you guys have been doing, that's why you have fucking careers that last 20, 30, 40 fucking years. Because people have been... You never lose respect. People know that you're doing it for the right reason, not to just fucking bang out for an extra buck. Yeah, and also I think with you, you know, that's why I think also you were able out of all the other guys that been doing music since, you know, you're still, you know, in the mix of shit because you've, you, you've, you've came back. You never disappeared and just came back, you know, many years later. You could tell that you, you love music, you love to play, and you never separated yourself 
from everybody. And I think people felt that. That's why, you know, you're, you're automatically, no matter what you do, you're going to have a group of people that are going to follow you because they know, you know, you're constantly there, you know, swinging. You know what I mean? And fucking, and, and, and um, that was the thing that, again, you always kept busy. You know, sure, Danny kept busy. Everybody kept busy. But, like, you really grinded, like, wanting to pop something off. I was like, oh, that guy wants to play. You know what I mean? And that was a great thing. And um, and I, and I was and I gotta say, man, before whatever happened with Scott and you guys, you guys were start. You guys brought that back. Like I saw you guys go from you know starting all over again to getting into a spot where I was surprised because it's hard to replace a singer. You know, even if he's the worst singer, best singer, it's always hard to replace a singer. And I was like, man, you guys were able to work that shit again, and that's also an- another. Yeah. You know, a notch on your belt, you know, bringing that back as far as you did before, you know, you guys finished Biohazard again. You know, I got to say that, man. That's, it ain't easy to do. It, it, it worked great. And then he quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that, you know, you know, I know there's always politics yeah. with the bands and all that. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not into like, uh, you know, I love the dirt, but I know sometimes it's like, sometimes people just grow away, you know, grow, grow apart and, and all that shit. And, but, you know, again, that broke apart. Now we got the Billy Bio stuff. And again, is where I saw the work ethic come into play. So right now you got, um, with the Billy Bio, you got, you said a second record, right? Working on the second record right now. It's almost done. Yeah. It'll be out and, early next year. And you, and you, rec- and both of them were recorded at your studio and mixed by Tua, right? Tua does all my stuff for Billy Bio. Yeah. He's fucking Yeah, he's awesome. the man. He's dope, man. You know, right? Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. And um, um, and what's the deal with Power Flow? So Power Flow is we have a couple more songs to finish writing, and then we'll drop that record in 2021. All right. And when the Billy Bio is gonna come out? Uh, t- early 2021. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna like we when Sen is doing Cypress Hill, I do Billy Bio. That's how we're juggling. It, you gotta you know how it is. You drop yeah. a record, you gotta be on tour. You gotta you know work it. Um, so I'll, I'll keep doing that till I die. Yeah. Let everybody know the evolution of the Jane Fonda microphone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, fucking, um, I, I got a funny story to tell about that. I tell on stage. But so, when I started the band, I'm like, it's every song is like fucking straight up in your fucking face. It's full on. There's no breaks. It's a lot of vocals, yeah, a lot yeah. of fucking, you know, grinding it. And, and what I, one of my things, I got to fucking move around. I got to be able to fucking, I, I don't like being tied down to microphone. And with Billy Bio being the only singer in the band, I was like, this is going to suck. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sweat. And to me, it's like, if, if, if you go see a band and they're not sweating, you get a fucking refund because you got to be up there. You got to, you got to give it your all. And if you're, if you're not giving your all, people are just losing out. So I was like, this is going to suck. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. All right. So I'm like thinking about it, brainstorming, and I, and I came up with this idea. I'm like, maybe if I get a headset. And I'm like, nah, that's fucking whack. And then I thought about it more. I'm like, you know, fuck it. Who gives a fuck? I said, that solves my problem. I, I, I can fucking still rock out and do my thing and vibe with Bob with the music and be able to do, deliver my vocals. So I did a lot of research, and I knew I, all my boys are going to bust my balls. But it worked, and it fucking, you know, it works. 
And, you know, there was a lot of fucking technical shit. I got it because I'm on a wireless guitar. I'm on a wireless fucking headset. I got in-ears because I got to be able to hear myself. But I, it's like a punk rock version of it, if you can believe it or not. But it works. And now I, I got it down, and I fucking love it, bro. I, I don't have to be able to fucking play my music because even with Biohazard, when, when I wasn't singing, I was singing the words, but I was standing singing to the crowd or singing to Deluxe. Or singing to Bobby or something like that. So I'm always there in the moment with the vocals. Now with it, with being able to sing and move, is fucking a godsend gift, bro. Yeah, so, no, definitely. And, and that's the got, punk rock shit is doing whatever the fuck you want. You know, as much as somebody has something to say about it. You know what I mean? It's like back then people would talk shit if you had two singers. You guys had two singers and blew up. You know, yeah. you, you would talk shit. Oh, you got a metal song, a hardcore song. Oh, you can't do that, and then you blow up. You know, it's like you do. That, that's the great part about it. But I, I, I love busting your balls on it because, you know, we know it's like, again, I'm, I'm used to it now. It's not like, again, you know, you see it at first, it's crazy, and then it's like, oh, that's that's how he does his thing. You know what I mean? It's like kind of. Yeah. I remember when we, you guys took me on tour, and I was like, all right, guys, so go ahead, give it to me. Start busting my balls now before you get it over with because I know, I know you're not going to hold it in. Yeah, yeah, no, and it wasn't that. It was just more crazy, and I was like, but I, I totally understand it because, you know, it was like, you know, that's the same There's concept a as a wireless mic for a singer. You know, you want to run around and yep. be able to do your thing and do that, but now you're fucking playing. So that, that made things a little bit more harder to hold that microphone. Yo, the funniest shit, bro, was fucking Stigma came out on, on tour, on the last tour, the Persistence Tour, and he fucking, he, had, he made a fucking headset microphone out of tinfoil he had it wrapped around his head, and he comes out, and he starts talking, and he's imitating me. Bro, I was – I couldn't – I had to stop the song. I was fucking laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, he's an asshole. That's amazing. Exactly. But yeah, that shit is and, – and, yeah, I was – I'll tell you this. I was jealous that we weren't on that tour, man. Believe me, that looked like an amazing tour with everybody, with a lot of amazing people, man. That's a fucking historic tour right there that happened. Yeah, I, I got to give it up to MAD, man. They could pull shit together, man. That, that, and that was the last tour, that, you know, that, re, that last big tour in our scene that went out, you know? Yeah, man, I know. That's fucking – we were literally going to fly out to do a tour, Us, Knock, Lose, Born for Pain, a bunch of other bands. It was selling yeah. really good. We were literally going to fly out that Thursday and Wednesday the lockdown happened. So that yeah. whole shit got canned and shit. But you guys push it back to next year, right? Yeah, you know, again, February, and I don't even know how real that is, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I hope, but who, you know, we don't know how the fuck, I don't know anything, you know, anymore, you know. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to plan now, man, because look at, like, things started getting good in June, and then we got walloped with another fucking left hook. Yeah. So, yeah. and now it's with winter coming up, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the best, you know. Yeah. But I'm planning for the worst. Yeah, that's the same thing why it gave me, you know, it gave me the fire to relaunch the podcast, which I've been wanting to for a long time. And again, technology was a little bit easier for me now. And I say, yo, you know, it keeps the brand alive. It keeps, you know, it's also giving back to the whole scene in general, the underground music scene and keeps me still sharp, you know, where seeing my people and just, you know, yeah. you know, again, you know, this all helps everybody it helps me. It helps you. It helps the, 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 you know, I don't always like saying fans, but, you know, our, our, the, 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 our extended families that follow our bands and shit. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's you know, a, it's, it's, it's giving back without just saying, hey, I'm giving back. It's something that we do from the heart, the same reason you do music, you know? 
Yeah, bro. I, I and, and none of us, nobody can see us. We can't. That's what we live off of is being able to be on stage and fucking perform our music and, and meet our friends and say what's up. They don't. Nobody has that. And not just us being on stage, but I like to go and watch other bands. And yeah. they, you know, they don't have nothing. So these kind of things are. It's like a, a great fucking you know substitute, and it, it's a great thing anyways. But I think it's a good thing. Yeah, this is the longest I haven't been on a stage in 26 years. Literally, know, right? years. It's fucking crazy. Like I don't know that you know. I have fucking like uh, like drug addict twitches from like going cold turkey. You know what I mean? It's like insane. So you know, everybody during you know this downtime is doing different things. You know, like I relaunched the podcast. You know. I started, you know, I started working out more and I saw that, you know, you continue, you started, tra you know, tra training again at your house. Let let's get into that a little bit. You know, uh, you know, we big jujitsu yep. friends and I know you're an old jujitsu fan also. I just had my brother Eric on, you know, um, um, four time um, Thai boxing champion who also, we talked about training at Henzo's in the old days of the whole jujitsu shit, you know. Yep. I'm talking to a a, a, a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt over here. You He's know? a good dude. Eric's yeah. good dude. And, and, and with you, like, you know, I remember from the early days, you guys training, and the same thing, I got the bug at the same time, and we were training at different times and following the fighters. So tell me, when, when I saw you with the black belt, I was like, yo, he did it. You know, it was like, you know, I don't know, it, it made me feel good. So... <laughs> You know, yeah, what's yeah. up with the, the whole, your whole journey with that? You're training in your house sometimes, I see. Yeah, I train three days a week here at the house. Right here on the deck, we roll out the mats. My mats are right over here in the corner of the deck. So we're underneath, underneath the SoCal fucking sun. Brazil you know, style. I train in the morning. It's fucking great, man. Cause it's, uh, my, my academy's closed. I'm with the, with the Gracies under Henner and here on it. And uh, it's closed. There's no live train. And there's some schools. I think Jared's open in yeah. Philly. My homeboy yeah. in Chicago is open. My, bo my boy Ty is open in Oklahoma. But we're closed. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's rough. But I, one, of my, one of the instructors at the academy, he's a good buddy of mine. We made a pact, and we only train with each other. So, you know, you got to be safe. But at least you got to be training. So about a couple months ago, we, we got back into it. Three times a week, we get together and roll for a couple hours. So let, let me know this because, you know, I'm a big fan and I've been following, you know, I follow the sport and, the, you know, I've been fighting since I'm fucking, I came out the box. And um, where, who, your first instructor, what was, where you first started, you know, I know all of us, like all of us, we see the UFC, we see the skinny Brazilian dude beating everybody. You know, yeah. I hated Hoist at first because his ad, because I thought he was too cocky, but I was intrigued by how the fuck is he beating everybody? So if you loved it or hated it, you wanted to learn it. What was, you know, we all got into it through the UFC and that type of shit. And, you know, you're another guy who, you know, we used to like to get it in when we were younger. What was it? Um, who was your first instructor? And, and, and how did you make your journey from there? Because obviously you were living on the East Coast then. So we, we, um, we used to study different styles. Wing Chun, uh, Taekwondo, Gojiru. Um, I box at Gleason's in downtown Brooklyn. But the, the, Danny gave me this fucking article. Was, I don't remember if it was in Black Belt Magazine, but it was an article about this family from Brazil. And about six months later, 
he co comes and tells me this story. Remember the f that family in Brazil? I said, yeah. Because they're doing a fucking a no holds barred fight, the first UFC fight. We watched it, and after we watched it, we fucking hunted around all over New York, anybody in martial arts to find somebody to train us. We wanted to learn the style. So ironically, it was, uh, uh, what's your name? Fucking uh, Vinny's, Vinny's sister. Uh, Paula. Paula, who hooked us up with this dude. And this cat, who you guys met, I think, he was Elio Gracie's, his mother was Elio Gracie's sister. So we hired the dude, took him on tour. and Seika, right? Seika, yeah. I remember. And this, this dude um, and gave us our first taste of it. But what he would do, he was, at the time, he was a purple belt. So a purple belt back then is like, was like black belt. Absolutely. White belt. You so, didn't see purple belts yeah. back then. So this cat fucking, you know, showed us a bunch of cool shit. But he would show us stuff. I remember, like, he would mount us. And then we, we, he would show us everything that he could do to us, but he wouldn't show us escapes. Like, he, we'd get in his guard. He wouldn't show us how to get out of his, out of his guard, but he would fucking triangle us and fucking, you know, arm bars and choke the shit out of us. So he did, there was an angle that he was doing. We didn't, and I didn't realize it until later on in my career. But after him, uh, we split with him. And then Henzo wasn't in New York yet until he, was with, he came with Craig Kuka. So it was only in the West Coast. <coughs> Craig and, and Henzo opened up. They started doing stuff at Gold's Gym in Jersey. And then, and then he had a place. He would jump around different Wing Chun schools around New York. That's why I started. So we would go there. Charles. Yep. Yep. And then we would go there. And, uh, and then I bought a place in Utah and trained. When I was there, I would train with this guy, Pedro Sauer, who was okay. one of Hickson's black belts. And he's fucking great dude, great friend at this time. Um, so between most of my beginnings were with Henzo, and who's a fucking brother for life, and, nice. then, and Pedro. And then we did a record. We did two records in L.A. where we lived here for a couple months. And then we were trained with Hickson. So I do privates with Hickson. And that shit was fucking killer. Um, and then so I came up under the, always under the Gracies and then got my black belt under Henner, Huron, and, and Horian in 2000. And, 2012 maybe 2013 2000 i can't remember but um and then those they um henner and huron opened up their own place called grace university i've been with them and here in torrance since that place opened up yeah crazy man i know i, I seen you you know you're the one who kept with it and you know i you know i jumped back i went florida i started training with some guy here back and forth i tried to get back whenever i could and i saw that you know you never the bug never I always follow the game and follow people, but then I, you know, I'd get in and out of training, and I saw that, you know, you kind of the last bunch of years you really started hitting it hard again, and, I, and then the next it's thing hard, I know, man. it's hard with what we do because you go away. There's was one I remember, I came home from tour, and I the kid in my neighborhood. I it was in the park, my my son and my daughter, and I bumped in this kid I would train with, and he said to me, "Hey, man, it must be hard." with your lifestyle and you guys always torn, you know, you come home, you, you know, you had kind of a little rusty and out of shape for jujitsu and you got to jump right back into it. And it, and it clicked at that moment. He said that to me and I told him, and he, I had a lot more experience than this kid, but I said to him, let me tell you something. It doesn't, I could be fucking 50 pounds overweight or in the best shape of my life. But if, when I do something to you, 
I know what the options are for you and for me. It, it doesn't change no matter how rusty I am or how in shape I am. It's the True. same reactions. True. It's the same shit. And that changed since, you know, after that. And I was like, you know what? You know, a little oil to fucking loosen up the joints. It works. After a few days, things come back quicker. But the concepts and the philosophies behind jujitsu, they don't change. And I, I, in training my son, and I know your boys train. I, I, I keep sending you messages. I won't be, you, you know, your boys are still training. But yep. with my boy, it's the same thing. I, I don't try to teach. I teach him basic the moves. Yeah. I got that shirt, dude. Thank I'll you I'll get that. you some That's new awesome. shit soon also. Yeah. I almost made it out this year. I was trying to make it out, and then the shit shut down. Yeah. So uh, there's a saying in jiu-jitsu and all martial arts. And jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu is different. They say Gracie jiu-jitsu, it's like the PhD in martial arts. There's no other martial art that I know of that takes you longer to get a black belt because it's, it's, a, totally, it's a totally different thing. Taekwondo, you can become a black belt in three years. And yeah. no diss to them. I, I studied Taekwondo as a kid, but no diss to them. It's a different thing. Um, there's a reason why you can't be on a path to a black belt until you're 16 in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And they won't give it to you. I've never heard of anybody getting a black belt under 21. So you need – it's a whole different world. But the concept that I wanted to share was this. You can spend, you know – 10 months learning a thousand moves or you can just spend a little bit of time understanding the philosophy behind a thousand moves and thereby under getting a thousand moves a lot easier. So the philosophy behind everything is so much more valuable than learning the small details off of YouTube of certain things. And, and once you get the philosophy behind the jitsu, it applies to everything. My, like, I want, that's what I spend my time teaching my son. It's, it's all about the philosophy behind the movements and things. He, bro, he gets it. He knows that he is much smaller than me. There's no way he can match my strength and my size and my weight. So with the concept that he knows, he knows that he has to wrap his whole fucking body around my knee and figured out how, on his own, he figured out how to do leg locks. So he wraps it around my fucking knee. He knows that all that energy focused on one little weak joint, it's more of a chance that he's going to beat that joint than trying to fight my whole body. And he yeah. gets it. So those philosophies, uh, that philosophy to me was a ga huge game changer. Um, Jared, too. A beast. Great dude. Yeah. He helped me, he, I, you know, he helped me realize with that philosophy how powerful it is because there's some things that I was doing with my game and he was like, it's a great thing, but you got to remember that the basics of philosophy behind jujitsu because somebody who knows more than you are, is always going to see those faults in your game. So you can't just rely on something that it's good. It's a good technique that you're doing, but there's always a way around. And he, when I was rolling with him, the first, he, it was like, he was figuring things out, what, and I was watching him. He was every time he would try something, I would do the same thing. And he, every time he would get a little further position, and he would get around it, and he figured out what I was doing, and he found the weakness. But the, it, because I was concentrating too much on the concept and not letting go of the philosophy, and not focusing on the philosophy. And the philosophy is you got to be flexible—not just flexible as in being able to do splits, but flexible in your game. And like, okay, 
if the wind is blowing hard, I can't just stuck fucking stay rigid because I'm going to break. I got to find a way. If I turn this way, the wind will go past me. It's not going to be so strong. So it's so invaluable. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And um, Jared Tabiza, um, we're talking about my boy Jared Weiner and fucking BJJ United in, in Pennsylvania. If you're in Philadelphia, go check him out. He's an animal. And he comes up from the right bloodline. You know what I mean? He learned real jujitsu and 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 yep. excelled in many levels, you know, even as a you know, as a you know, as a senior, you know, yeah. in the later years, he, he shined even more, I think. And he came up from the the challenge match days, you know, also. And a hardcore yeah, yeah. You know yep. what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, he's definitely, you know, because he's a thinker and jujitsu is a thinking man sport. You know, that's for sure. You know, you you know. We were lucky. I was lucky, like I was talking about it before, where Eric um, coming up with Henzo. I didn't, you know, I trained with him. Not, you know, I never made you no know, rank with him, but I trained from on and off for a little bit, and I learned so much to this day that you know, that anybody could be anybody. You just got exactly work. You don't need to know a thousand moves, know five moves, and know them good, and you know, know when to use them and when not to use them, and also um, being around the right people that inspire you and don't you know, that, that make you feel like you could do it. That was a special thing about certain instructors because I train with dudes that they're not good teachers but great jujitsu guys. Then you guys got – you got guys like, you know, a Pedro. You know, I know Pedro – I, I oh, met Pedro. Pedro Sawa because I was in my original ju- uh, uh, Japanese-style jujitsu class and he came to do a seminar. And if, if you, next time you talk to him, you got to tell him this. You got to ask him if he remembers coming to New York in our school, there was a seminar, so a lot of the guys from that jujitsu camp came to do the seminar, and there was an old man who knew the traditional style, old Polish guy with one leg, and, you know, he's talking to everybody, and, and, and he didn't know a lot of English, and Pedro's kind of talking, and he's kind of showing him a grip, and I think Pedro didn't expect it, and he flipped Pedro, and he had one leg, but, then, you know, he caught Pedro off guard. Pedro didn't even know, like, he was like, what the fuck, like, I'm not even trying to, but it was very funny. But yeah. that was the first time I got to, to roll with a real jujitsu guy, and I was blown away. And I was like, and it happened to be Pedro Sao, an OG in the game. And at yeah. the time, he was with his boy, Lonnie, who I think passed away. He was a purple belt. And I yeah. never forget that because of the first experiences. And I was like, man, I got to learn this shit. And then Henzo started coming, and then we connected with Henzo. And then everybody knows Henzo's the New York hardcore connect for jujitsu in New York. You know what I mean? And um, But now – you could tell that that, that that philosophy, you know, works into music and everything. The, you know, learning your spots and learning, you know, work with what you got and, and you don't stop. You know, you, you keep moving and keep working angles. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, and, you know, they say there's a thing that they, um, they put, put out a lot in jiu-jitsu. And I hear and I've heard it in so many different academies how jiu-jitsu transcends into different parts of your life. And it's so fucking true, bro. There, there's one of the things I learned at the beginning, and Hickson said this to me. He said, there's always an escape. And I, I, I use this in everything. There's always a way out. There was a thing with when I launched Billy Bio. I got involved in this company called Pledge. P-L-E-D-G-E. Those fuckers ripped off fucking everybody, bro. I, we did something with them with PowerFlow. It was great. They do this thing where... If you're setting up your record, your record's about to come out, and you give out special things. Like, you you know, for 15 bucks, you get the CD, an autographed CD, a poster, and a, and, a, and a postcard. For 20 bucks, you get everything plus 
um, an autographed picture for 25 bucks. You get a T-shirt and everything else. It's these different kind of things. Companies called Pledge. So I did this with Billy Bio, and it was it was bringing a lot of light to the to the release and shit. And it was cool, and a lot of people sent in. You know, a lot of people bought stuff and they these packages. Bro, this company, they fucking ripped off everybody. I never made. They didn't fucking send anybody anything. They didn't fucking take care of any shit. They just folded. They fucked me out of everything. And I'm like, I can't do this in my fans. These, this is my first, this is my name. This is what I've been working hard for for fucking a year. I, I got to, not in just a year, my whole life. This is everything I'm about. I can't just let this company fold and fuck over everybody that bought these, you know, bought the gear. So I fucking just shelled out the cast, fucking did, filled all the fucking envelopes, all the boxes, all the cases, sign up, did everything and, and, and held my words, the commitment under my name, even though it was this company, and I did the right thing. So my point is, there's always an escape. There's always a way out. And I look at everything like it's a challenge. There's no problems. It's just a challenge. And when you look at, it, at that, it makes things a lot easier because I'm telling you, it's, success is easy when you win the lottery. Success is difficult when you, you got the winning lottery ticket, but you fucking lose it or wash it, and it's gone, and you've got no proof. So you're fucked. And if that situation happened to me, I would, I'm not going to wallow in my misery because I lost, because I won the lottery and lost a ticket. I, I would fucking make a GoFundMe page and I'd say, listen, this is what happened. I had fucking win the lottery ticket. Do me a favor. I'm a big one with the give back community. I love charity. Donate. I will give out 90% of the donations I will give to charity. Pow. That's it. If I can make 10%, you maybe make fuck whatever if still you're up win. for fucking yeah it's still a win but you're, the point is that you're being able to do something good with it and you're finding a way out of the problems which makes it not a problem and makes it a challenge and you win that's it. yeah no no that's for sure man again you know that shit all that type of you know especially in the jujitsu game helps you with real life you know and i and and that, the whole um the whole mental part of the game that's why I love it because it goes into, you know, everyday life. I'm going to have um, Dracolino on. I'm going to get Remco on. I got a lot of plans to get guys like that to, you know, to let people know what's up also, you know, with um, the whole – and, you know, all hardcore people on top of that, you know. The, the, you know, we have a lot of roots in the fight game, in the, in the music game, in the, in the Copacabana Beach games, in the Dutch games, and – and just the mentality again, like we've been saying, why guys like you kept going and everything. And um, nah, man, it's, it's, I, I get psyched again. I'm, I'm I'm glad to see that you're still killing it with that. Let everybody know where they can find you at. You know, what's your Instagram? What's the band's Instagram page? And what to look out for? Or what to get? Let them know. So I got you can hit me everywhere at Billy Biohazard Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I have a new company called. It's Crew Socks, C-R-U-S-O-X. It's based on giving back to the, the families in need. So for every pair of socks that you buy, we donate a pair. If you buy two pairs, we donate three. That's if you nice. buy three pairs, we donate five pairs of socks. The socks are fucking dope as fuck. It's CrewSocks.com. It's a big passion of mine. And it, it, when you have a company that, that your success is based on giving shit away, you know you're doing something good in, in the world. Um, but Billy Biohazard, hit me up. I, I love to... to hear what's going on with everybody. I Usually, you know, we're the same. We go, we play our shows, and we hang out after, and we can catch up with friends, but uh, we don't have that. So hit me messages, man. I love, love hearing what everybody's doing. 
I know it's a hard time for everybody. We're all in the same boat, but I love talking. Yeah, yo, good shit, man. I'm yo, you know what's up. Hopefully, we could do some more touring soon. Hopefully, fucking we can we we. I don't know. I'm we're hoping to go out there and record. We're working on the on our tenth Mabel album. Go go figure that tenth. I, I can't know, believe it. And awesome. um, you know, I'm plan. You know, we're planning to go back to uh, you know, to work with Tim in California. Hopefully. We could get over there at the end of the year and some, and then you know, hopefully we could get up, man. Even in the studio, or hopefully we could play some shows soon. So, you know, looking yeah, forward dude. to that. But um, let everybody know over there that we send our love. You know what's up? A lot of love, Billy. Shout out to your family. Shout out to you. Your grind, and yo, go check him out on on all his platforms and all of his hundred bands. And um, don't start a fight with him because he'll fuck you up. <laughs> Yo, but peace out, Billy. Yo, we'll talk soon, and good looking out, brother. Thank you, brother. We'll Have talk. Have a good one, bro. Peace. peace. Boom, and there you go. Big shout out to Billy Bio. Go check him out on his all his platforms. Go download his music. Check out his sock company, Crew Socks. He's doing a lot, giving back to the people who need it. And make sure you follow the show on iTunes and Spotify. We do this shit for you. So support the show. Make sure you rate it, pass it around, leave a comment, and you can hit us up at the Smoking Word Podcast at yahoo.com. If you got any questions, if you want to shout us out, show some love, hit us up. We're here for everybody. This is the movement. Be a part of it. One love, we out.